0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Trezosti with Find Your Film, Find Your Film Podcast, episode 159. We have the entire crew for this episode in different, sort of a hodgepodge kind of fashion. Two of these are interviews from Eric Holmes. One of them is a recommendation from Bruce Perky, it's, and then I'm also doing a giveaway, which I'll be talking about right now. For this week, for this episode, uh, basically for the next week, I'm giving away three Blu-rays of this movie called Bone Cold, courtesy of Go USA Entertainment. It's on digital, Blu-ray, and DVD June 13th, and here's a synopsis of Bone Cold, okay? By the way, this movie I still have not seen. I'm going to check out a screening link over the weekend, but co-host Eric Holmes is giving this movie four and a half stars. He really loves this movie, and later on in the show, on this episode, he will be interviewing Bone Cold director, writer, Billy Hansen. Okay, so you'll get a sort of an intel on what Bone Cold is about and the screenwriting process. Some really good stuff about the storytelling behind this indie project, which Eric loved. Talking to Billy Hansen, so that is a very value-added interview, in my opinion. It's about sixteen minutes of really chock full of just filmmaking stuff on low-budget filmmaking, screenwriting, collaborating with the actors, working with the, in, within the confines of a low, low budget, very interesting stuff. The other interview that Eric does on this episode is with Americond co-writer and director Sean Claffey, and Americond is cur- basically spotlights a social inequality, not social. The, well, I guess it could be antisocial, but the economic inequality that is inherent in the US. So, I haven't seen this documentary, but this is another project that Eric Holmes really enjoyed and was locked into. So, check out that interview with Sean Claffey if you have an inkling. On maybe a theory on why there is some kind of economic inequality in the US, maybe Americon might be a documentary that is worth watching for you. It will be, I believe it will be available on VOD mid June, I think June 13th. Don't quote me on that. There will be links on how to actually get Americon on VOD. As of this recording, it's Playing in select cities in the US, but a lot of you will be catching it on demand. So I'll leave a link for Americond. I will leave also a link of Bone Cold where you can actually enter this three Blu ray giveaway that I'm giving, that I'm um, doing a giveaway for Bone Cold for our findyourfilms.com site, as well as information on how you actually can purchase the DVD, digital, or Blu ray on June 13th when it comes out. So those are the two sets of interviews Bone Cold and Americond courtesy of Eric Holmes, again, courtesy of well Go USA Entertainment. They're supplying us with the Blu-rays, four, three Blu-rays, four Bone Cold. And last but definitely not least, coming up right now after this intro, is a Bruce Perky segment. It just happened that way as far as this week on Find Your Film. He was the only one out of us three who had some really... Interesting. Well, not interesting. He only—he's the only one who had the the uh, the recommendations for this week. So his recommendations for find your film to check out are influencer, blood and gold, and the old man movie. I will have information on where you guys can check that out as well. But he talks about it in the following segment, the next segment, his mini reviews of influencer, blood and gold, and the old man movie. Okay, so check out the find your film recommendations from Bruce Perky first. Then we're gonna get into bone cold the bone cold interview with Billy Hanson thanks thanks again to Eric Holmes and then finally we're going to wrap it up with Americon which you're going to be also treated to a two minute intro from Eric Holmes talking about the documentary before he interviews Sean Claffey one of the things with each week we do a podcast a separate podcast I'm sure a lot of you know called Cinematics and we're spotlighting a lot of the new films that come out that that week specifically domestically in the US okay in US, North America et cetera, et cetera but Find Your Film is also going to be, its an off, while it's an offshoot of cinematics, a lot of it is going to be evergreen stuff. We're going to be putting, you know, just a lot of it is going to be interviews, a lot of it's going to be physical media, and a lot of it, I think the heart of it is going to be evergreen recommendations, the kind of stuff that Bruce Berkey is giving the first segment. So ultimately, we want Find Your Film to be a living, breathing set of interviews with these filmmakers and actors, also giving you guys some a spotlight on movies that might be under the radar. You might not see them on your big streaming services. They're not number one on the Netflix or Max Q or Prime Video Surfing thing or on Apple TV. There are so many movies out there that in documentaries, et cetera, projects that are hidden because of the algorithm. And hopefully we're one of the many podcasts. We really want to we're one of the many podcasts, but we want hopefully we want to shine a spotlight on a lot of underrated movies that are just really buried or just don't get really high up on the algorithm. And I'm assuming since Eric Holmes is champion Bone Cold, Bone Cold is one of them and Americans another and maybe these three movies that Bruce Parkey has, is is uh, re- recommending are also on that list. By by the way, I know influencer is getting a lot of play. It's on Shutter. A lot of people are liking that as well as Blood and Gold. Those are two good recommendations. But his third recommendation, the old man movie, which is streaming on Tubi. When you listen to that, and and you know it's on Tubi just know that it's getting... It's. I listened to an interview, not interview, a review from Mark Kermode. Kermode and Mayo, they're a popular podcast, bunch of critics, and I think it was either Kermode or Mayo really loved the old man movie as well. So anyways, a lot of a lot of contributions this, this episode from Bruce and Eric. And what do I con- contribute? I'm just putting this stuff together. Bruce and Eric are doing all the movie work and I'm just blabbing. So I'm going to I'm gonna shut up right now. Let's get to Bruce Berkey and then let's get to Eric Eric. Okay? See so you guys next week again on Find Your Film. And thanks again for supporting all three of us on this podcast. Please leave a... Rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that really helps with the visibility of this pod. Thank you, everyone, just internationally as well, who's listening to this podcast. And yeah, finally, findyourfilms.com. I definitely want to build that site and actually spotlight, again, obscure, underrated, overlooked movies on that site. It's going to come from us. It's going to come from the people we interview, and hopefully there will be a great dialogue. I think most importantly... You out there who are listening to this episode, if you can hit us up with some movies that you really love, that you feel needs to be, needs a little bit of more of a spotlight, hit us up and we will add that to our list and talk about it on the show or put it on the website or our YouTube channel, yada, 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 yada. I said I would be shutting up about two minutes ago and I apologize. Bruce Perky is here. Check it out. Bye. Everyone, uh, find your find your film. It's another episode. We have a little. This is what we're gonna throw in once in a while. we have Bruce and Eric. We, we do find you. We do find your film, and we we'll do cinematics. I'm putting some recommendations for this find your film segment, so you listen, You loyal listeners can have a couple of recommendations to watch throughout the week. Bruce Perky, what do you got to? What do you have? What have you seen lately that you would actually think is worth watching?
1: Well, I've seen two things. They're they're solid and they are easily accessible in your streaming services, depending on what services you have. So I thought that's good value added for people out there, especially when you're looking for something just kind of easy and fun to watch and accessible as far as like the content, too. It's nothing super extreme or depressing. And then on top of that, I have a movie that I've been championing for I don't know, three years now since it was at the Fantastic Fest Film Festival. I just want to quickly mention that it's available and that's The Old Man, the movie or The Old Man movie. It's got various versions of that title, but it is available on Tubi now and it's Estonian stop-motion, insane movie, super silly, lots of gross-out humor, but I think for people who love things like, uh, I don't know, South Park or any of the stuff by those guys or Evil Dead, even just that kind of weird mix of genres. I think that you might really enjoy this movie. And that is on Tubi. I should probably call out the two directors. I had to pull Oscar Lehema Lehema and, um, gosh, McGee. Yes. Yes. And if you really like it or enjoy it somewhere in the deep recesses of my Rusto Meyer (laughs) YouTube, (laughs) there is an interview I did with them. Like, three or four years ago, and they were super nice guys. And we were talking over zoom from Alabama to Estonia. So that's always kind of interesting and cool. I guarantee if you watch it, there's things you will not forget about it. Uh, it is a lot of fun. And for people who like those weird things like mad God and all that kind of stuff, check it out. I think you will enjoy it now. And it's on Tubi. Is... I, I love Tubi. Yep. We love Tubi. Yep. So. On Tubi. Easy. The other two things, and these are both suggested by um, people in our cinematics group. So Mm -hmm. thank you, because sometimes we get suggestions from the group too. The first one I think was by Mitch Burns. Uh, I think he was the first person to call it out, and that's Influencer. And I've seen a couple other people mention it and say it was pretty good. Uh, It's on Shudder. This for me is a solid three and a half, maybe even four stars, but definitely three and a half. This is one of those movies that is kind of in that sub-genre of horror or thriller that you don't see a lot of these days. And that is the things like Single White Female, these kind of movies where... A seemingly normal person, an unthreatening person, insinuates themselves into somebody else's life, and the basic concept of this movie is you've got a quote influencer like an instagram type classic instagram woman uh that you see in like oh kind of like also in like um what was it uh Ingrid goes west, so right yeah. So a very, you know, popular, bubbly woman, she's out in like Thailand or whatever, and she's doing her thing, and she's taking all her pictures, and she befriends a young woman there. As the first half an hour of the movie goes on, the young woman, she befriends, and I want to mention, call her out, played by Cassandra Spiral, I think if I got the name right.
0: Cassandra Nod?
1: Maybe I wrote it down wrong. C-W. She
0: plays C-W. Okay. Cassandra Nod. N-A-U-D. Okay.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cassandra Nod. Yes. I didn't write the last name down. and she steals the show in this because this takes twists and twists and turns and when you find out after about thirty minutes what her actual end game is and then the movie kind of resets, it's one of those kind of movies where you go like, well where's this gonna go now? Because the whole thing's played out and I know what happened. But it hasn't. And it keeps oh, dropping in like my movie. You could really like this movie actually. This kind of is in that psychological thriller sort of category. Mm. Um and it's got some real uh, fun twists and turns and just Diabolical characters, but it's, it's very, very entertaining and very accessible. It never goes too, it goes violent, but it never goes like disturbing violence. You know what I mean? It's, 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 this is a lot of fun and it has multiple times in the movie where you're like, Oh, now that's happening. How was this going to play out? So that kind of stuff, you know, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I would definitely suggest if you have shutter, check out influencer. Oh, and it is directed by the guy who did, I think, spiral and something else so this guy is david harder yeah yeah so so it's 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 not say super duper fancy or stylish in the directing itself but it's solid and this movie surprised me on how solid it was now the last one i'll suggest and this is one that i think a lot of the listeners would really really dig and i think Who suggested this one? Joseph Bridges. Joseph
0: Bridges, yeah. Joseph Bridges. He's a member of our Cinematics Facebook group community, and he is a treasure. He has so many great recommendations on the daily, by the way.
1: Now, I think a lot of people will skip this movie for a couple reasons. One is Netflix. Netflix original. A lot of people go like, oh, it's going to be middle of the road. I don't care about this. Second thing is, it's going to sound at the outset a lot like Sisu. And that's okay, because every so often you get a year where two cool movies come out with, a, you, know, you know, you get your volcano and your Dante's Peak and you get your <laughs> Sudden Impact and Armageddon <laughs> or whatever. Well, this yeah. year we've got Sisu and Blood and Gold. And Blood and Gold, if you haven't watched it, this is the best Nazi Western in a long time because it My plays God. like a Western. So here's the basic concept. Once again, it's going to sound kind of familiar, but it plays out totally differently. And that's what I really love about, dug about Doug about this movie.
0: How has Eric not seen this movie? If he hasn't, um, have you?
1: I, I, I'm looking at the uh,
2: director by, directed by Blood Red Sky, which I yes. like a yes. lot. And so yes. uh, the answer is, I don't know. I should have watched this already. You should have watched this movie. <laughs> and I think by next week, you probably
1: will. This movie is so up. I think both your allies, honestly, this movie starts, and this is not giving it any way, It starts out with a group of Nazis at the end of World War II, the waning days of World War II, right? A group of Nazis. And they are about to hang one of their own for being a deserter at the end of the war. They take him, they put the rope around his neck, they have him on the back of like the, the truck, and they drive the truck away, and he's hanging to die. And as they drive over the crest of the hill, a young farm woman from nearby comes over and cuts him down. And you find out the Nazis are going into town because they heard one of the only Jewish family that lived there had buried bars of gold in the town. And they're there to get the bars of gold before the war ends. The Nazi who's been taken down, well, he's got a grudge. (laughs) So, and that's it. That's all you need to know. It's so much fun. It's played utterly like a Western in that theater.
0: Gory? Is it really gory? Like, for example, my mom, she loves Westerns and she loves action. Will it be too much for uh, the set who does not like too much violence or is it cartoonish enough to be bad i
1: don't think it's, it's not as violent as violent as sisu but it's violent enough i mean you might preview preview the first 30 minutes or so for her but so for example it's not going to go super hard it's not going to go disturbing level but there will be people hurt in this movie for sure uh, but a lot of the people that get hurt are the people you hate the Nazis don't, as you might guess, <laughs> fare well by the end of this. But this has some great twists and turns because the townspeople are another whole wild card in this movie. Because the gold may or may not be where the Nazis think, and the people who have control of the gold may not be who you know right away. So there's multiple levels, and and the, even the soundtrack itself, that the score is even almost like a spaghetti western in this World War II action movie um i think you both would dig the hell out of this movie
0: bruce would you call this sort of a netflix gem because i like yes. you said the stereo okay
1: yeah because netflix because the thing with netflix movies is the stereotype is you're going to get a movie that's kind of middle of the road and it's, it's kind of pulses its punches it doesn't have as much style as it really should it's, you know it doesn't it doesn't have it's okay okay but you flavor. know what
0: stop it okay there's there's Sweet Girl <laughs> and there's Red Notice. Exactly. And those are amazing movies. And exactly. Do you co-sign on my assertion, Eric Holmes, Sweet Girl uh, and Red, Sweet Red Girl, Notice?
2: Sweet Girl, I will. Red Notice Ooh, is Red Red in focus. focus.
1: But I would say that these uh, – <laughs> but th- they seem to somehow, with international movies, they sometimes get it right, though. Because this one and Blood Red Sky, I think we're both Netflix. Mm-hmm. We also had the um, – what was the Numeri Pass movie where the, the, the guy and the oh, woman went so, to like, kill each Monday? other? No, oh, when they went that, to go that, kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, Same director. On is a good one too. I Same director.
0: A well, by the way, is Numi Rapace in like thirty movies a year? Like we don't see twenty-eight I think so, of them. Yes.
2: <laughs> Most of them uh, are pretty good that. too.
0: Yes.
2: I'm <laughs> yes. looking that one up right now. It was I, like I, a, I know which one
1: you're talking about, but I can't think. That it was one was right was was way more hardcore than you thought it was going to be, and it was great. You remember that movie? God.
0: It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So,
1: so with the international movies, I think they they hit, but they also fall out of their their thing real quick. The trip.
0: The yeah. Trip, excellent. Now, okay. So these are great recommenda- recommendations, Bruce Perky. A little mini recommendation before we go: Blood Red Sky from Your Memory, Eric yeah. Holmes. I'm assuming you're going to see Blood and Gold. Do you guys both recommend Blood Red Sky? Because yes. I'm clueless. Mm-hmm. Okay, why should I see Blood, oh, red, blood sky red Sky? sky me, is
1: great. Okay, Eric, you chime in with this too. So, if I remember correctly, a woman on a plane. Do we even say what she is?
2: Um, I, I almost don't want to, but at the same time, yeah. that's kind of the hook just uh they're on a plane it's like snakes on a plane without snakes but there's something else going on
1: oh okay the the main yeah the main character let's just say she has an affliction that's pretty uh amazing
0: oh okay so bruce if i'm someone an initiate like me to the works of peter Thorwarth, because eric holmes has not seen blood and gold yet which movie should i watch first per your recommendation
1: for you i would say blood and gold okay and then, I think for your taste, I think Blood and Gold is probably more in your wheelhouse. But I think they're mm-hmm. both really good. Because he has a real, uh, a real eye to kind of muscular action, interesting scenes, the way he plays them out, I think. Don't you think, Eric, from what you've seen in that Blood Risk guy?
2: Yeah. I, I was just thinking of, uh, this is a very strange comparison, but think of the Langoliers if it was good.
1: <laughs> yes, that's right.
2: That's true. <laughs> kind of similar setup, not as... I mean, it gets stupid in certain areas, but it's like fun stupid. Where Langoliers is like, you did not have enough money for the ambition that you went for in this movie.
1: Yeah, and I think the the Blood and Gold doesn't get really much stupid at all. I think it, but it has um, propul- It's propulsive.
0: It's it's good. I think you'll like it. It's four okay. stars for me, by the way. These are three great recommendations from oh, four, four stars for you. Okay, for yeah. Blood and Gold. So influencer, Blood and Gold, and the Old Man. The movie or the old man movie—different ways you can talk about that's going to be on 2B Blood and Gold is on Netflix, and Influencer is streaming on—I guess it's what sometimes they call it AMC Plus, which is a Shutter, but you can see it on yeah. those streaming.
1: Usually, if you have cameras. one or the other, you can see them.
0: Yeah, it's so it's great have recommendations this week. We'll be back next week on Find Your Film. So for some more recommendations, maybe from Eric Combs and again Bruce Brookie. I don't give any recommendations because I don't watch movies. So we'll see you guys next week here on Find Your Film. Thank you, Bruce and Eric. Any final thoughts, Eric Combs?
2: uh no i'm gonna go watch blood and gold
0: (laughs) you guys have a great
2: week do it Great thought okay see you guys so uh, i'm here with uh billy hansen writer and director of bone cold Uh, just for anyone listening i kind of this is one of those movies that kind of and i've not seen the trailer for it i went into the uh movie bone cold so to speak um i'm a reviewer so i'm allowed to do puns but uh (laughs) this is a movie like you know, based on the based on the trailer, I would expect it to be one thing. I would expect it to be action. It certainly has that, but this is not quite the movie I expected. And I was pleasantly surprised where it went. Um, it has a low budget quality, kind of uh, similar to Coherence, where like I wouldn't describe Coherence as simply a time travel movie. I wouldn't describe Primer as simply a time travel movie. Likewise, I wouldn't consider Bone Cold simply an action movie i guess uh what was the development process like on this and kind of what was where was your mindset when making this
3: so this one uh it started from a really simple idea started from a really like basically one image that popped into my head and it was this uh, one man on his own holding a rifle running through the snowy woods and there's a creepy monster in the distance and that was pretty much it. Uh, from there, I kind of started unpacking it and asking myself, you know, who this guy was and what he's running from and what the creature is and what it wants. Uh, and and the story grew sort of very organically out of that. And I think that's one of the big reasons why it's not necessarily just an action film or just horror, you know, it's not one thing. It kind of walks between several lines uh, because it, it really, <clears throat> excuse me, it really was centered on this, this one tone, this one emotion, this one, not one emotion, but one uh, character uh, and his situation more than anything else. So um, couple that with the fact that we moved so incredibly quickly through the development process, there wasn't really time for any of us to stop and say, like take a step back and say, what kind of a movie is this? It was very much just like, no, this is the story we're telling. We're not worrying about anything else. Because the idea came to me, you know, it was November 2018, and we were shooting by February 2019. So it was like, you know, I keep describing it as uh, assembling train tracks in front of the moving train, because, you know, I was writing as we were casting, as we were doing pre-production. So I really just had to grab hold of this one character, this one creature, and tell that story the way I knew how, um, the way I knew how we could shoot it, too. But yeah, the one thing I keep hearing uh, about it as people see it more and more, is that people are surprised by it? They didn't expect it to go where it went, um, and I, I really like that. Actually, uh, I really like that takeaway because so I like to surprise an audience. And also, I was thinking,
2: like with the uh, with indie movies like this, I, I don't know what the budget was, but I, I would suspect, and this is complete ignorance on my part, you know, outside looking in. I, I think. I can imagine this reading the script on this is just an absolute page turner because the the movie actually is you you develop the the mystery well and the suspense mm-hmm. well like say say you get bone cold as you're going into production mm-hmm. uh, let's say it's indie it's it's rough around the edges but let's say you have a budget of like fifty million mm-hmm. or whatever. But then, but then you have to start making studio cuts to it and it becomes a, it it becomes an air quote, better movie, you know, a more polished movie air quotes, but then you have to start making cuts to the story. Oh, we need more of this, more of that. Kind of describe your thoughts on that, like a big budget movie where you have to make those uh, creative choices that you may not want to make versus making a movie like this, where you have the constraints of a budget, but you get
3: to still tell the movie that you want to make. Yeah, it's almost, I think it's kind of, it's almost the same sort of thing that you're doing. You know, like I, I go into every script and every movie with a lot more than I know is going to end up in the, in the final product, because I know like with your script, your script is going to, it's the age old thing. Like you, you write one movie, you shoot another movie and you edit a different movie, right? Like your, your third movie. And that totally holds true, I think for everything. So I try to approach anything that I'm doing budget or no with the idea like, all right, here's, here's our bigger world and we're going to be trimming it down for, for whatever reason, you know, like we had a lot of budget constraints on bone cold. The budget was very low. And so we were sort of forced to cut some stuff. We just didn't have time to shoot it or we, we shot half of it. We couldn't do it because of the pandemic. You know, there were definitely things that we shot. We shot like half of scenes that we intended to come back and do pickups for We just never were able to, so that goes away. And then the the story kind of becomes what it becomes. But at the center of all of that, you know, it's just really trying to hold on to that central theme and that the character arc and what they're going through, trying to maintain and protect that through that process. So, you know, there were corners that we were backed into, but, you know, at the end of the day, the finished version of Bone Cold is a lot different from the script that I wrote, but it still has the same feel to it. It still has the same meaning behind it, and the characters are going through what I want them to go through. And I imagine on a big-budget movie, I mean, I like to imagine it's the same kind of thing. You shoot a little bit more than you need, so you as a storyteller and filmmaker, you have an idea of the bigger world, and then you kind of look at it like, how do we tell this more efficiently, more quickly, with more energy? And I can give you an example, too. So the character of Sveta... Uh, played by Elise Bergreen, She is like a really impactful character in this movie. And she's, she's got one line of dialogue and it's very cool. And it's very, she's like an action figure almost in my script. And in my first cuts of the movie, she had a whole big dialogue scene in Russian uh, with her two like henchmen basically. And our editor came in and said, Hey man, you don't, you don't need this scene. Like, look at watch this and he he's just sort of cut it and so it ends on her look and that was so much more powerful and impactful than a whole big dialogue scene that was doing the same thing so yeah i mean i'm i'm always going into a project knowing i'm gonna lose some of the stuff but trying to get uh trying to get as much as we can
2: yeah that i actually really loved her character she in i totally agree with that decision because like uh she's kind of like the 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 silent mysterious who, who who is this person? What are they going to do? And uh, all you really get to know of her is like, and she she's, she's got him in the crosshairs and then just cuts to her face. She's got that little smirk. I'm like, who is this person?
3: It totally works. And her scene was really good. You know, it had nothing to do with her performance. Like, and I know she worked so hard on, on learning those lines in Russian. She got it. And like, uh, I felt bad cutting it, but you know what? He was, he was absolutely right. It's, it's, more impactful if it's just on her face and then you cut away
2: yeah I've, I've heard like uh i don't know if this is apocryphal or not but i've heard a uh, terence malik would like a uh, shoot a scene with the dialogue and then shoot that exact same scene without the dialogue you know of course he's got the the time and bandwidth to be able to pull something like that off yeah. But uh, but but I do like the idea of, uh, you know, you write the you write the script and you have it in your head like, oh, this totally works. And you say it out loud. Yeah, it works. But then maybe on the on the day you shoot it. And it's like, and I don't know. I I think that, <laughs> I think this uh, look they give is a lot more powerful than what comes out of their mouth. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, there was a scene too one of the toughest scenes that we had to shoot. It was a dialogue scene that's in the middle of the movie. And it's uh, right after right after a big action moment and it's the two characters really being, like, ripped apart. They're, they're moving in different directions. It's this big blow-up argument between the two of them. You know, ultimately, on on paper, it's a simple dialogue, but when we were filming it, I was watching it, and it just was not working. It wasn't working, and I'm watching, like, these two really good actors. Like, why can't they get it? And, and then I realized, like, it's not them at all. They're both giving great performances, but it's disjointed and weird because the script isn't right, and a lot of that is because I had to write it so fast, but it wasn't until it was these two actors like really like trying to find it in the moment, I leaned over to our producer, Jacqueline Amore, and I was like, this scene kind of sucks. I need to rewrite this. So we, we broke for lunch early. I went like, hid myself away and just like hammered through the scene, rewrote it. And I realized I had put too much in it. They were talking about too many different things at the same time. So I pulled most of the lines out and it was a much simpler scene, but then the way it plays out now, it's like, okay, now it hits, now they got it. And then when we got back to set, they crushed it immediately. We got a bunch of good takes and, uh, and it's a good scene. So uh, yeah, it was, I think moving really fast, you have to be, you just got to be flexible. You've got to be able to roll with whatever those punches are, you know?
2: Do you think a lot of that comes from uh, like uh, the pendulum swinging the other way? Like for instance, when you write something, you know, the character's backstory, you know, this and that about the characters and uh, maybe afraid that if I don't put it on the page, they're not going to get it. But then at, at the same time, you know, uh, uh, almost like a, when you write it, you don't want to be too on the nose, but at the same time, you want the information to get, get across. So maybe when you're writing it, you, you probably write too much where is uh, maybe getting someone else's eyes on it and be like, Hey, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't
3: need that. We get it. Yeah, I do. I run into that a lot. I tend to go more on the, like, uh, I discover a lot while I'm in the process of writing. So you can, if you read my rough drafts, which no one ever will. uh, Well, (laughs) well, you can send it to me. I'll read the hell out of it. (laughs) You can kind of see me figure things out maybe halfway through a scene and then I'll put other beats in. So I, I do a lot of rewriting to really condense that stuff. But I also tend to write a little bit on the nose first just to make sure that I can sort of anchor myself and I know what I'm saying in any given moment. And I can always pull back from that if it's a little on the nose, but yeah, I feel like I read so much writing and I see a lot of movies where people are talking around the point and it just can drone on for a long time when really it's like, no, say this, say this. And that's your scene. You know, it it can be quick and efficient like that. That's the most impactful. So I definitely try and start from just be really clear and smooth it out afterward yeah if it's too much if it's too uh, too on the nose you can always pull back
2: and what's it what's it like being on set like you know you get the you get everyone on set the crew and then all of a sudden now the actors are in the costumes they're there they're reading the words that you wrote that you had in your head this whole time and then that, that, that's just got to be exciting to hear And and maybe even sometimes like they'll say a line or they'll, uh, you know, perform it in such a way that you didn't have in your head at the time, but it works yeah. better. But also, conversely, maybe they're like, oh, you didn't quite get that right. Can we do it? Like, kind of the positive and negatives of hearing people read your dialogue for the first time. Yeah,
3: I I'm always excited about it like I knew that I had something special with bone cold because I was excited to shoot every scene like every time we were moving on to something else oh now we get to do this scene awesome (laughs) Uh, and I was really excited to see what actors would bring to it and um, you know I try to be very protective of the story and the tone and the style but I also try not to be too precious about the words so the specifics you know there are sometimes i will kind of insist on certain words it's just for pacing or something like that but i really love collaborating with actors seeing what they bring because that's why you bring someone on. you want their you want them to bring their thing to it and you find a lot of extra stuff like that like working with john stoddard he's a good friend of mine and i know he's he's a terrific actor He knows his shit. Like he shows up to set and he knows what to do. He knows where to go. He has his performance in mind. And then on the flip side, Matt Monroe will, he is just a ball of energy that never stops. And he just goes and goes and just, it's like a live wire, basically. You know, there weren't too many times on this movie that where I felt like we had to course correct. I think everyone started really understanding their characters well, understanding what they were going through and where they were headed. You know, maybe only once or twice, we, me and an actor had to step aside and say like, hey, let's get on the same page with this. We're not quite in sync here. And I'd have to sort of explain a little bit where the characters were at especially in the latter half of the movie where things get a little it's very very psychological we were sort of threading some needles with that so john and i had a few more conversations but you know again it never really felt like course correcting it felt more like hey let's let's get on the same page there's because there's a little disconnect but that's routine uh but i was for this movie i was always really excited to to get to the next thing and do the next thing well, uh, I, I
2: kind of actually want to wrap this up because I'm really excited to get into some spoilers with you. Uh, that cool, this comes cool. out on on uh, digital Blu-ray and select theaters June 13th. I believe that's a Tuesday. uh, uh yeah, it'll be
3: th- yeah Tuesday.
2: Well, I actually let's let's ask that. Um, have you got to see this in a theater yet with a crowd?
3: Yeah, so we just had our LA premiere earlier this week, and it was electric it was awesome it was real the crowd was really engaged you know it was a packed house people were gasping and shrieking and cheering and it was honestly it was a relief we had seen it before with uh, a few smaller crowds uh, we had our premiere at in new york city dances with films it was that was a great crowd as well but it wasn't it wasn't a packed theater so you know good response but when we watched it in la it was like, all right yeah we got something cool here like this is an engaging movie and uh and people are really being affected by it so that was a blast Awesome,
2: and also I in all these with uh, my my co host has a what's in the box segment. Uh, we have people put movies in the box that are underseen or maybe you really like, and not enough people talk about. What's a movie that you would like to put in the box that you think uh, more people should see and more people should talk about that they don't?
3: You know what? I have the perfect one. I always talk about the movie Bug. Uh, William oh, Fried William Friedman. Fre- uh, yes, yeah. yes. I love that movie, and I always try to get people to watch it, but. <laughs> people will not watch it, but it's so good. It's so interesting. And like just a fascinating performance of by Michael Shannon and Ashley Judd. Yeah. I I'm always rattled every time I see that movie.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great pick. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then go into some spoilers. But I, I would definitely check out Bone Cold on June 13th or after June 13th. If you're listening Any to time. this late, just just <laughs> just watch the thing. And uh, again, I, I would say the best way to go into this movie is just just going cold. And the less you know about it going in, I think the more surprised you're going to be about what this is. But it, you made a fantastic movie and congratulations.
3: Thank you so much, man. appreciate it.
2: Hello, this is Eric with Cinematics. I'm here all by my lonesome. I've done an interview with director Sean Claffey for the documentary AmeriCon, which is actually in select theaters right now. So if it's playing in your area, go take a peek. It'll also be available on VOD um, on June 13th. And it basically deals with Uh, union busting, the haves versus have nots. It's a story we've all heard a million times before, but we seem to, it seems to be a hump we can't get over. In this interview with Sean Claffey, we kind of go over just that and stay tuned for the end of the interview. When I ask him what's uh, what he would like to put in the box. Uh, He has a very interesting double feature for Americon. So once you see it in the theater, uh, if you can find it or when it comes out on VOD, on june 13th uh maybe check it out and then hit up that uh double feature which i'm sure most of you have already seen but it was a great pairing and one that uh i think once you see the documentary i think you might appreciate uh maybe a little ironic that he put that but it's uh, fun nonetheless but yeah sean claffy was great to talk to Uh, i tell that he's very passionate and like a lot of uh documentarians that you know documentaries that we cover on the show uh, you know there's a lot of passion and truth behind it he's not afraid to hit on both sides because that's how change is made you know you have to be as honest as possible as honest as you can with the documentary but yeah this is good stuff go check it out and i hope you enjoy the interview thanks bye i'm here with uh, sean claffey the director of america the documentary americon uh, Sean, why do we keep shooting ourselves in the foot and working in our least best interest? I guess we can open with that with a simple one.
4: <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so why do we keep shooting ourselves in the foot? Um, I think the reality is that it's very designed. That they uh, came up with this plan in the late 1960s and implemented it and really started kicking in in the 1980s. And, you know, just driving around the whole country and meeting hundreds, really hundreds and hundreds of people um, who are working really hard and struggling. They don't know why this is happening. But, you know, it's happening for a reason because they want to basically corporations and, you know, the 1% or the point zero, one percent, uh, want to extract all the money. So they came up with a plan to divide us, um, to create the, you know, the other, you know, the people coming across the border or the other, the, you know, the people that don't look like me or the other, or the people with a different religion or the other, and that th- they're doing it, right? But they're not doing it. So, you know, this happens when people uh, feel like they're uh, being you know they're falling out of status and it's happening again now
2: in the documentary they, they they touch on like capitalism uh but what we have it's just socialism really it's it's socialism but not in the direction you you think it would um if uh, if, a, if a family needs like a Medical attention, or they need. And in uh, the case of this, they need. Uh, they're we're in a pandemic, and they need help with rent. Uh, how can who's going to pay for that? We can't afford that. But as soon as a bank goes under, well, they're too big to fail. We're going to throw all the money at the military. Oh, we can't. We got to throw all the money at the military. Like for the for the haves, there's just an endless supply of money and aid. And for everyone else, that quite frankly pays for it oh nothing and you're uh, you're a piece of crap for asking
4: yeah uh they do not want to uh give anyone anything and you know and, and it, it, it it's it's true you can look at it as socialism for the rich and, and actually bernie sanders in the film says that now um uh yeah the the um it's really almost an oligarchy it's more than capitalism that You have just a few people that control, you know, through lobbyists, all of the not all, but a large majority of the of the politicians. And then they control the courts and they've been working on that, you know, since 1975. And they really have gotten the courts now so they can uh, they can manipulate it uh, any way they want. And the Silicon Valley Bank went out on Friday and by Monday they were bailed out. Yeah, it's insane.
2: Mm-mm. One of the things I love about this documentary is that, because um, ele- you know, whenever election time comes around, it's like vote them out, vote these people, vote their team out, vote our team in, and that's going to fix everything. What I love about this documentary is that you showed that uh, you know both Democrats and Republicans had a chance at bat, and every one of them failed to do anything about it. It's about the people that have had enough. Uh, the you know the, the the guy that worked at Amazon, uh, basically from nothing. Uh, you know, got, you know, was fighting for unions, which, by the way, if you're a publicly traded company, should probably be automatic. That's my personal opinion on that. But uh regardless of that, I, I, I loved how it's not one sided. And uh yeah. for, for every four years, it, it's the same stupid argument over and over again. And people don't seem to realize it's the same two sides that don't give a crap about anyone. So maybe try to find a different avenue through that.
4: Yes. Now, we certainly we we call out both parties because both parties are responsible. But we're seeing this with the right, we're seeing this really hard turn toward authoritarianism, which is really scary. And uh you know, but we have to start on the local level and the state level, city level. And what what they're doing in like uh, Minnesota right now is really amazing. They're a- they're able and they're really passing laws that are protecting the middle class. Uh, you know, protecting the, the road to the middle-class unions. They're doing a lot in just since uh, January. So it can be done, but we have to not be cynical anymore. We have to stand out. We have to join, join organizations that will, will fight for this. Uh, um, and, you know, we show in the film that, you know, the, in the 30s, we did this. You know, we did it already here where we built a great middle-class, and we, we need to do it again. And we have to do it now. We can't let this happen on our watch.
2: Yeah, I think I also think that um, you know documentaries like you said you can't be cynical, and it's really hard to not be uh, after seeing the bad guys win so many times and people failing so many times. But it, it's good to see documentaries like this where it's a small win, but it's a win. And I think these small victories are important because it helps. You know, you get one small victory, I get one small victory. They get one small victory and eventually, you know, little by little we climb. Yeah, uh, be, be great if we could go faster, but you know, you yeah, know, have to start somewhere.
4: Totally. Um, and you know, it, it's actually a big victory. It's the biggest unionization in 75 years. So, uh, and now you're seeing all these outcroppings, you know, the Starbucks union, the nurses are going, you know, all these new unions are forming, especially in uh educational departments around the around the country, you know. Um so I have really good hope. You know, there is a groundswell, and the pendulum is starting to swing, swing the other way. We just have to push that pendulum really hard.
2: Yeah. Also, with uh, not not just this one, but just documentaries, kind of like this in general, to kind of shine a light on our society, whether in America or abroad, they're not they're not superhero movies. They're not popular things that people flock to. Wouldn't, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but like what, what would be something that could uh, get documentaries like this in front of the people that need to see it most?
4: I think, you know, you have to tell your friends, you have to uh, watch it, download it, um, stream it, get the word out there. I mean, we're trying our best. Uh, We're getting traction. Uh, It's starting to resonate. People are waking up and, you know, the more we, you know, shows like yours who can get the message out and people, once they see this movie, you can't unsee it. And then you could start to see why why it's happening and why our lives aren't as good as we think they should be um, and how to fight against it and, and make change. Because we can make change. Uh, we just have to band together to do it.
2: And I guess to kind of, uh, you know, go back in time a little bit, um, I'm guessing this was not something that was done in a week. Um, what what got you started on the uh, journey to creating Americon? Like, what what was the thing? Like, I'm going to make this documentary or maybe some documentaries start as something completely different and then develop into what they become. Uh, how, how did yeah. this start for you?
4: Yeah. So my, uh, my good friend, uh, Dave Patterson, he, he did. Uh, he produced uh, Super Size Me, Third Wave and a bunch of other things. Uh, him and his friend uh, Jeff Mann came to me uh, a while ago to make it. Jillian Hurley came on, uh, Len Monfredo to really, you know, help us make this happen. And once I saw it, I was like, you know, this is really compelling, but we have to not just do stats and experts. We have to like, you know, film with real people and see the real suffering and, and then also weave in the causation so, you know, we're three and a half, more than three and a half years in now from like really filming it. And then the pandemic hit. And so, but, you know, I wasn't going to give up. I thought it was such an important movie to make. I think I would have died trying if I didn't, yeah. <laughs> you know.
2: And and what's it like uh, following, like some of these families and people that you follow are real dire straits. And, you you know, you're following them around with the camera. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a it's probably a terrible example, but like a a wildlife documentarian, you know, they they see the little bunny and they see the cougar coming after it. Right. They're just there sort to of document, so, they can't they can't interact. Like how, how does that affect you emotionally going through? Well,
4: that? you know, I think me being there with the camera saved a lot of people. And and some people that aren't even in the film, right? We film people that uh you know uh people wouldn't try to evict them or threaten them because i would just point the camera at them or you know the cops would show up and i would be i'd point the camera at them at the cops and then i'd start talking to the cops and the cops are like oh this is terrible so and then we you know we helped people uh that were in bad shape you know even after we stopped filming uh you just you know you you know it's hard you know, you're in these people's lives, and uh, you know we do GoFundmes and stuff. And I still talk to a lot of them. I call them, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, and, you know. Some of them are doing better, and some of them not. And um, you know, I think once the the film comes out, though, I think uh, we're going to be able to uh, help them even even more. All right. Well, I, I certainly hope so. And uh, this comes out
2: uh, June 13th on demand, and it's in the select theaters the 9th. Correct.
4: Yeah, 9 through the 15th in select theaters there's some some other showings uh, as well if you go to www.american.com, you get the whole list but it's you know it's just it's coming I don't know when this is going to air but it's uh you know Boston's uh June 5th DCs June 6th uh and then we're into New York LA and beyond. Excellent.
2: Well, uh, we'll, uh, end on something light, I suppose. Uh, I'm sure you're a movie buff and you like to talk about movies. So, uh, we we have a what's in the box segment. Uh, we have people put movies in the box that's either important to them or maybe a lesser seen movie that you would like to shine a light on. Um, and also with like uh, movies like this, there's a, a, I kind of asked you for two, just one fun pick. And then one pick that would probably be a good, uh, maybe double feature with this or something that kind of, uh, kind of uh, adds another flavor to what AmeriCon brings.
4: Yeah. Maybe a good double feature would be uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Which actually was about kind of, uh, you know, people in the cities, like going between the cities and other cities. And, you know, um, but like uh, the movie that probably, uh, you know, uh, affected me the most and made me want to, uh, get into the film business was uh Star Wars, uh, you know, the first one in the seventies and uh episode four. And um uh and I, I you know I very was very lucky I got to work with uh Lucasfilms um, in the late nineties and early two thousands and really, you know, got got that, you know got to live that dream. And it was uh quite amazing. Awesome.
2: Well, Sean, thank you for joining me today. And I hope this uh, documentary gets in front of the eyes that need to see it the most because, but like a lot of documentaries like this, um, you know, I I think they can open people's eyes in a very positive way. But but we'll we'll see what happens because like I opened it, opened up the interview with uh, we have a tendency to shoot ourselves in the foot. So hopefully we don't do that too much, too much more.
4: Yeah. You know, I hope we band together. And, you know, stop shooting yourselves in the foot. And we can make great change if we do that. I'm very hopeful. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.